Finally, a cozy dungeon to hunt for shinies in, thought Giblet, the cobalt adventurer, as he meandered about the insides of a volcano. Long had he hunted for treasure to claim as his own, but his every attempt had been foiled by whatever higher powers he had unknowingly irritated. Until now. As he snooped around the base of an old volcano, he'd noticed the caravan of humans traveling to the top of it, with carts upon carts of shinies. Giblet's eyes had filled with mirth as he witnessed the unthinkable. The humans just dumping their heaps of treasure into the volcano. Who knows what madness had overcome them, but clearly fortune had finally smiled upon Giblet. It took him mere minutes to find a way into a series of deep tunnels beneath the volcano, and soon he spied his prize. The mound of discarded shinies sat upon a slab of hardened earth, surrounded by bubbling lava. Giblet considered how lovely this volcano was. Did he even need to steal these shinies? Maybe he could just claim this place as his lair. What a splendid idea, he opined as he climbed to the top of the shinies and sat on a suitably comfy spot. He closed his eyes and breathed in the hot fumes of the lava, relaxing in his throne of gold. Giblet only opened his eyes when he heard a gold coin clink as it fell off of his hoard. He saw the coin rolling downwards and off of a rocky ledge, falling into the lava far below. Wait, 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 wait. Why was the lava that far away? Was he moving? He glanced upward and realized with great horror that he and his shinies were about to be swallowed. Giblet had been in enough dire situations to know that discretion was the better part of valor. Whatever was in the process of eating him was truly gigantic and definitely not worth fighting. Giblet leapt from his jumble of treasure and bore witness to a truly fascinating sight. A monstrous, titanic, lava-loving turtle was eating his shinies. As he fell back towards the earth, his leap done with enough care to ensure he didn't land in lava, he got a full view of the creature before him and discovered to his horror that the turtle did not have one singular head. It, in fact, had two heads, and the second one seemed rather put out by the fact that the first head had eaten all of the treasure. Giblet, still falling, waved his hands angrily in the air as the lava turtle's second head snapped out and gulped him down, a small compensation for what the first head had gotten. Hello, monster enthusiasts. This is Nicholas with Into the Dungeon, and welcome to a special reading from the Tome of Dungeoneering. The aforementioned Lava Turtle comes from an ongoing Kickstarter, Mortimizer's Magnificent Monsters of the Multiverse, by Happy Owl Games. Trent, founder of Happy Owl Games, has joined us for this episode to provide his unique insight on both his Kickstarter and the creatures he has crafted incredible miniatures for, such as the Lava Turtle. So let's dive straight into it. All right, listeners, normally you'd have to hear me yammer on for another 10 minutes, but for this episode, we have the great opportunity to chat with Trent, the fabled creator of the Lava Turtle and founder of Happy Owl Games. Welcome to the show, Trent. How are you doing? I'm doing good. 
How are you? Doing great. Happy to chat with you. Now, I've mentioned previously in the episode, but just to remind our listeners, you've launched a Kickstarter where miniatures for the lava turtle and three other beasties can be acquired. I'm a huge fan of the name you concocted for it. Mortimizer's Magnificent Monsters of the Multiverse. How's the Kickstarter coming along? It's going well. We funded in less than 36 hours, um, and we're getting backers almost daily. So I'd say it's a very, very successful. Excellent. And just so you know, folks, when this episode comes out, there will only be a few days left in the Kickstarter. So so please hop on it, because they are very cool miniatures. And you probably know, you're not going to be able to acquire them from a lot of places. So this is a unique opportunity to get a hold of one of these. But let's dive into some questions, Trent. So since it's the focus of this episode, I'm compelled to start the chat with our friend, the Lava Turtle. What was your inspiration for this particular design? So the overall approach for the design of the monsters was more of themes. So I picked four themes um, for each monster. Um, so we have two-headed, you know, two-headed monsters was the theme for the Lava Turtle. And I picked turtles mainly because I thought it would be uh, really cool mechanically. Uh, with their shell and, and doing some retracting with the heads. And then also, I just, I really like turtles. And then thirdly, I see they're not very uh, utilized. So they're underutilized in RPGs. So that's why I landed on a turtle uh, for this particular design. And that's actually what dra- attracted my attention to it as well, is I was like, I don't get a lot of opportunities to use turtles, tortoises, anything sort of in that creature group with players. I think there's one in D&D, which is like the giant, like a giant turtle of some kind, a dragon turtle, I think. Dragon maybe. turtle, yeah. But uh, it's a it's it's uncommon to encounter that. But I particularly liked the way you wove the a story behind the lava turtle. So, like you talked about, it it could be used. Maybe the local community worships it and gives it gold, and that just sets up. There's so many things just off of that one line that you can do with a campaign. Okay, there's a local community. How did they find out about this turtle? You know, what does the turtle do to them if they don't give it proper tribute? So talk a little bit to sort of where do you start when you want to design a monster? You talk about themes, but with the other three, where did where did you start? If you want to tell us and the listeners about those three, that'd be great as well. So like I said before, there's is main, mainly four themes. Um, so basically it was two-headed monsters, uh, dinosaurs with lasers, avatars of fear, which is basically just a concept of uh, fear being becoming physical. So these are just like nasty monstrosities that uh, basically are fear incarnate. And then the last one was constructs made out of souls. So I started with those four themes because when I started designing Mortimizers, I wanted to do 16 monsters, but I had to break it down to four just for you know monetary reasons and just scope of the project. But I, I definitely wanted to go in four different directions from the beginning. So basically, I just looked at those themes and decided what would be, if I was going to do one dinosaur with a laser, you know, what would it be? A triceratops, you know, and then basically story-wise, those, those dinosaurs are made from an artificer um, that uses them to protect, um, you know, his arcane vaults that have these very powerful artifacts uh, locked inside of them. And then for the avatars, I basically just thought of what's the scariest thing I can think of. Uh, and a bear that can move like a spider <laughs> is definitely on that list. Um, 
I, I am slightly traumatized by your choice with that one. But the fourth and the last is a is a real runner up for me in terms of my favorites. But you have to you have to tell us how the name is properly pronounced for the harvester. So it is Soul Forged Harvester. I was thinking of something else, but maybe no. But yes, let's talk about the harvester. I don't know what my brain was on. So the harvester is uh, lore wise, it's kind of enigmatic right now. Uh, so there's not a lot going on. That's kind of um, he's kind of the big boss of the campaign. Uh, or this leg of the campaign, because eventually it'll be four legs of the campaign. Um, but essentially it is a construct that starts off much smaller than it is in the model. And then as it terrorizes a plane of existence, it kind of gathers souls. And uh, as you can see, like debris and shields from warriors that's conquered and uh, kind of incorporates that as some kind of makeshift armor. And basically kind of the hook lore wise is who who made these you know, constructs and because soul forged is sort of a keyword that's going to be used in some magic items. And they're basically just magic items that have souls infused into them, like sentient weapons. Um, and then this is, you know, like Mortimizer would basically just be in shock that this was even possible just to kind of give you a scope lore wise. No, I love it. And I think you've, you've, it's, I think I now know how I'm going to paint it when I actually get my resin one. Um, there is a Citadel contrast paint that I don't remember the name. But I think it's like a thermic blue, but it's a it's a very kind of spooky, spooky blue. And I think that might be good for for like a soul monster. I think your nor your default pay, paint scheme is green for the souls. So I think either would be cool. Yeah, we actually flirted with blue or purple for the the paint scheme when we were going, but the when we were painting it, but the painter was just like spooky green. That'll work. <laughs> <laughs> now. We've danced around it a little bit, but I do want to ask about Mortimizer's Magnificent Monsters of the Multiverse, specifically the, the Mortimizer part of, of the name. Who's Mortimizer? Why does he get all the monsters? So Mortimizer is a interstellar wizard, basically, that um, has discovered the secret for immortality um, and has lived for thousands and thousands of years. And in order to protect uh, this immortality, because it's not a, like a lich kind of immortality, there's really no... Um, drawback to his immortality. So to protect this secret, he's locked himself into a pocket dimension with his magnificent manor and menagerie. And how the menagerie started was uh, he's always had a fascination for creatures and his companions would uh, bring him occasionally uh, monsters to, for him to take care of and keep him company. And that tradition continued for years and years. And now uh, with his friends, obviously not not alive anymore because they're not as immortal like he is. Um, he just travels the multiverse showing these magnificent monsters to people and picking up new ones wherever he can. If, you know, especially if he can trick a, a group of adventurers to get one for him. If this guy was in, in our modern day and time, he would definitely be a miniature collector <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with the rest of us. <laughs> so when you were writing the, encounters for Mortimizer's monsters. What were you looking to achieve specifically? Because with the Lava Turtle as an example, you have an absolutely great set piece in the custom battle map that you've made, and then the various legendary actions and layer actions that the Lava Turtle can take. So what, what were you thinking about when you designed for each of the four, just to go with their theme? Or you know, were you looking for essentially a great set piece for someone to be able to drop into their campaign. So the motivation for the entire product was basically to make really awesome monster encounters at lower levels, because I feel like people who've been playing D and D for a long time can 
can scale these monsters as they want. But, you know, at level five, if you start looking, you know, at the legendary monsters, there's really only one in the base game. Abolith, I think, is a CR9. And so that's really the only monster that is, a, you know, a big legendary monster that you can use. So I wanted to kind of use that as, you know, this to be like a level five, level six end of the campaign that, you know, that campaign leg for people to experience these like unique and powerful monsters. Because you really don't get that boss monster feel in 5e very easily. No, absolutely. And I think that was the thing that really excited me reading the Lava Turtle encounter particularly is it was such a boss monster compared to, as you said, sort of like base D&D monsters who are, you know, they hit you, they can ignore a, they can ignore the effects of a spell essentially with legendary resistance, but they're not that interesting encounter wise, whereas your set piece encounters are very involved and very intriguing. And I will, I'm shilling endlessly for your Kickstarter, but I will say for, for listeners purposes, you know, you have, you have like a two year time span before these monsters become super well known because I, I believe in Trent's success, but that's a great window for you to surprise your players. They're, they're not going to expect the laser dinosaur. They're not going to expect the, the bear spider. That's, you know, three times the height of a Goliath. They're not going to expect, you know. Oh, we're in a, you know, we're in a volcanic area and suddenly there's a two-headed giant turtle trying to eat us or I I think particularly with your lava turtle, it having fireball, a fireball equivalent spell always entertains me because players rely on it so heavily and then being able to use it on them is always kind of uh, mean but satisfying. (laughs) So I did want to ask, do you have plans to make your miniatures available for purchase after the Kickstarter or is this a one-time deal? So the... SDLs and 3D printed versions will be available after the Kickstarter, and there will be a limited supply of the handcast resin after the Kickstarter as well. But after those uh, resin, the handcast resins are sold, that, that will probably be the last that we have those until the next Kickstarter. Definitely. And listeners, if you're new to, to miniatures, resin is a bit of a more difficult material to work with, but the detail is much better. I, I greatly prefer resin myself. But worst case scenario, the STLs also work as well if you have a 3D printer. Or a 3D printed version one from Trent also works just as well. But if you can get your hands on a resin one, I kind of really like the resin ones myself. The resin ones, the detail is a lot. It's, it's about 15% better than the 3D printed one in my experience. Yeah, I definitely agree. And so your Kickstarter has been really successful from from my perspective. Hey, 100% funded alone is successful, right? <laughs> and you've gone beyond that. So where do you envision taking Happy Owl Games from here? I think our first focus is to expand Mortimizers as much as we can, and then also start expanding our D&D content in general, or 5e content for legal reasons. But uh, as far as uh, you know, the RPG aspect of the company, that's we plan on just creating more content in the Mortimizers multiverse and then hopefully expanding out to the other three sets and then also expanding more miniatures to go along with those first four monsters. Uh, so, you know, creating a cultist for Arcurseus and um, creating, you know, raptors with uh, lasers <laughs> on their head uh, for the Triceratops and things like that. And then um, as far as the company as a whole, we're, we're working on uh, a couple of board game designs. We've got those in the, the early stages, and hopefully sometime next year we'll be able to take those to Kickstarter. 
I'm so excited, dude, because your your designs are really genuinely incredible. And and folks, I really encourage you to, to go just just take a look at them if that's all you do, because they really are very unique and intriguing. So I do want to ask Trent, where where can the the listeners get a hold of you or rather get a hold of what you're up to, news on your your current whereabouts and so on? So the best place is uh, Happy Owl Games Facebook. Um, and also we have a Discord um, where we are doing beta tests and you have access to all of the current stat blocks. And that is available on our Facebook page. Excellent. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today, Trent. We wish you all the best with the Kickstarter, of course. But is there anything, any closing thoughts you'd like to share with the listeners? I just, uh, thanks for checking us out if you do. And uh, hope you have fun with the monsters and have a great day. Excellent. Well, folks, just remember, if you're uh, trying to collect loot in deep, dark volcano pits, there might be something waiting for you. Until the next time on Toma Dungeoneering. Thank y'all. Thanks for tuning in for this special reading from the Tome of Dungeoneering. Now, as you all know, Into the Dungeon goes to great lengths to ensure your local lava turtles are kept satiated with a steady supply of treasure. If you want to ensure that no lava turtle comes knocking on your door looking for shinies to eat, you should like and subscribe to our content. You can find more information at patreon.com slash into the dungeon and in the dungeon.com. We have also included links to Happy Owl Games, Kickstarter, Facebook, and Discord in our episode notes. You can, of course, also find them by searching for either Happy Owl Games or the Kickstarter itself. Mortimizer's Magnificent Monsters of the Multiverse! Alright, Giblet. Any closing thoughts? Stupid turtle ate my shinies! No pouting, Giblet. There's more shinies out there. On that note, see you at the next reading from the Tome of Dungeoneering. Hey, hey, it's an owl bear.